The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 198 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is mental health care in private residence organizations. Mental health care is changing. Medical care is still necessary for mental health care, but other forms of care are also increasingly important. These other forms of care include providing for the person an environment that is hopeful, homely and helping. Uh, The care includes customizing the help so that it enables the person to live life to the fullest, it empowers the person's abilities to the fullest, and it takes full account of the person's special needs. And the other forms of care include working with and supporting the person's family caregivers, all of which is why our topic Mental health care in private residence organizations is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Diane Marshall. Now, Diane is executive director of the residences of 1425 Bayview in Toronto, Canada, where she's worked since 2008. She's a registered holistic nutritionist and a life coach. Her extensive experience spans public and private sectors, in human resources, and in program development for the First Nations community. Her work experience has equipped her with a broad grounding in facilitating innovative learning, in generating transformational experiences, and in creating collaborative partnerships. And her work has always involved things for which she has a passion, and mental health and addictions are particularly close to her heart, That's in part because in the 1970s in Montreal, her family was personally involved in creating Portage, a community which has become an international model for addiction treatment. So welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you very much, Gordon. Diane, please tell us more about your personal story and your work as Executive Director of the Residences of 1425 Bayview. Diane? Yes, well... I I grew up on the West Island of Montreal. Um, I was always really fascinated by the natural and the ancient world. I wanted to be an archaeologist before I could pronounce the word, and I could never understand why it wasn't perfectly fine for me to dig for fossils in our backyard. When I was about seven, an incident really affected me deeply. 
Um, there was a little French boy who was maybe six years old who was being physically and verbally abused by some older kids, and it was just because he was different from them. I took him home to his parents, and I think from that time on, my own perception of the world as a young child changed. I grew up, I moved to Toronto, and after college, I found my niche in human resources. Uh, employment equity was just introduced in Canada, so sourcing positions for candidates who were disadvantaged became, kind of became my focus and, again, my passion. In 1988, I was employment manager at St. Michael's Hospital during a really ser- serious nursing shortage. That was my first role in in healthcare, and it was probably one of the most challenging positions I ever held. I traveled to Britain, and we recruited over 50 nurses to emigrate to Canada. When our two sons, who are now 21 and 23, were young, HR Consulting gave me the flexibility I needed. I became a registered holistic nutritionist with the intention of pursuing corporate wellness. I discovered, though, that I really wanted not only to be a change agent, but to work with change agents at a higher level. At that point, I co-founded the Peel Aboriginal Network, and I also worked with Angongok, a traditional Inuit elder from West Greenland. He actually called himself an Eskimo, and that was fine in his uh, culture. He was a mediator who worked in restorative justice with the Canadian government, as well as a traditional uh, teacher and healer of his people. And his teachings were on environmental and Indigenous issues and focused on facilitating peace and uh, unity. And as Director of Program Development, I built a platform to bring his wisdom teachings to a global audience through experiential programs and workshops and events. As his assistant within ceremonial and healing circles, I had the amazing privilege of spending time with incredibly inspiring people. I had some amazing life experiences. Uh, At one healing conference in Chennai, India, I was absolutely blown away to be staying in the same room where the Dalai Lama had slept just a few days before. In Arkansas, Uh, talk about uh, sort of renewing my love of archaeology, I went on a dig for crystals on the side of a mountain and I roomed with an archaeologist from the Smithsonian. So working with him was a life-changing experience. In 2008, I found another passion. I took on a contract as outreach and recruitment consultant with the residences of 1425 Bayview. Diane, I'm going to stop you there because I want to now get into the next question, which is about the work you do at the residences of 1425 Bayview. In other words, tell us about what the residences actually do, please. Okay. My role there uh, when I was first hired was to create awareness that we existed as a resource for families and organizations and stabilize staffing. In After six months, actually, I was pretty excited and somewhat terrified when they offered me the um, executive director role. I've been there now for five years and um, am exposed to new experiences and situations every day, which really give me a window into the challenges faced by family caregivers and our residents and our staff. The residences itself the residents of 1425 Bayview, is a private supportive housing model for people with serious and persistent mental health challenges. We recognize that family, faith, and active engagement in community are integral to mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. 
Our program was established from a rehabilitative recovery-based philosophy, which is specially designed to support our residents to live an independent life and hopefully reintegrate into the community those who are ready and, and have that capability. We know through research and experience that our program facilitates an, an independent life with the best possible outcome for our residents. We have communal living, but at the same time, each resident has their own apartment. So they have both privacy and the strength of a supportive community. We were created by a private organization to address a critical need in mental health care. Our founder did her research in Canada and traveled to the U.S. and really was looking to ensure that the residences of 1425 Bayview would be set up to provide leading-edge care. She's an amazing woman with an incredible amount of energy and intelligence and a strong advocator who believes in giving back to many excellent causes. And when I joined the residences, she captured my heart when she said that this model had the capacity to change millions of lives. Now, on that point, I want to ask you to tell us just a little bit about the types of mental illnesses that the residents cares for. Well, what sort of mental, mental illnesses are we talking about? Well, uh, we were originally created for those dealing with schizophrenia. Um, as we evolved, as we've evolved, we've welcomed other individuals with a variety of mental health challenges such as dual diagnosis, um, OCD, severe anxiety, people on the autistic spectrum, and some others. And we don't so much assess based on diagnosis, but rather our goal is to ensure you know, that our environment will enhance the quality of life for a resident, as well as determine that they'd be compatible with our own existing residents, because this is their home. Over the years, I've met with families um, dealing with substance abuse and addictions, severe depression, acquired brain injury, autism, including um, Asperger's. They might have been looking for a home for a couple of years or for the rest of their lives. We've been approached for respite care, which we're not in a position to provide. Another gap in the mental health care system. Um, and as we're private and own the building, we have the luxury of assessing each situation and exploring whether two people could live together or siblings or friends or even a live-in caregiver. And to live at the residences requires a degree of independence, so families need to have some financial means. Uh, initially, I had difficulty with the fact that our care was only accessible to some, given my experience with the Aboriginal and at-risk community. Um, but wise words from a good friend who's a driving force in addiction treatment herself reminded me I should never apologize for providing a service people need. So once we prove the residence is a 1425 Bayview is a financially feasible supportive housing model that works, then it can be, it can be replicated. And it has the potential to work not just for mental health, but for the acquired brain injury, developmentally challenged, or autistic population. Diane, just to clarify one point, well, the residents, residents that you provide care to are children and adults. Is that right? I'm sorry, no. They're, they're adults. So essentially our residents um, can be anywhere from 18 and up. Uh, we don't have the capacity to provide geriatric care. So, you know, there is sort of a informal cutoff period, I guess, to, uh, 
Um, and we have people who are living there who will probably always be with us, and we have others who really hopefully will have that ability to move on to an independent life, possibly to live upstairs in one of our market value tenant apartments or move on to an apartment of their own outside of the residences itself. So in that sense, there's rehabilitation going on. Is that right? Yes. um, we We are a care home, and we do provide, you know, sort of a full range of services. Um... But we connect with other professionals. Um, we, you know, our staff are mental health support workers. They're very skilled at what they do. Um, but we connect with doctors, psychiatrists, you know, occupational therapists, cognitive behavioral therapists, music uh, therapists, sort of almost like a, an ACT team, an assertive community treatment team. We, we really try to build that sort of collaborative, multidisciplinary team. Now, talking of teamwork, um, it's time for you and I to take the short break. What I always say is this is where we have to pay the rent, so we'll take Mm -hmm. the break now. Um, This is Dr. Gordon Elderly, and my guest is Diane Marshall. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Diane Marshall. Our topic is mental health care in private residence organizations. 
Let's talk now, Diane, about the purposes, principles, and specialized work of the residences. So, Diane, what are the purposes that the residences serve? How do these purposes relate to the needs of the community you serve, including family caregivers? Uh, well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a large question, but our intent is really to be a center of excellence and a new uh, template for supportive housing. As I said before, a blueprint that other organizations or communities could choose to follow. Um, we provide peace of mind to our families in the knowledge that their family members have a home to call their own while being supported by our really expert and compassionate team and that knowing their family members can really live the best, most independent life that they possibly can despite their diagnosis of their illness. Often our residents have spent very little time living away from home Parents have been the sole care providers, and they've been placed in the position of carrying a challenging load, wearing different hats as advocators, social workers, disciplinarians, researchers, and others. And it places a huge strain on the family dynamics, really causing serious risks within the families. One of the things that I wanted to mention that makes us unique is that we're a mixed or multi-use building. So our program is on the first floor, and our residents and program manager live on the second floor. We have market value tenants on our third and fourth floor. So essentially, we have an integrated community right within our own building, and we interview prospective market value tenants to be sure they're supportive of us, and we have great neighbors who volunteer, join us for meals, come for coffee, and we're really fortunate, too, that our Leaside neighborhood itself is really quite welcoming. Diane, that is a very important principle that strikes me that you've just identified. You are operating as an integrated community. That is, on the third floor, it's people who pay market value. On the second floor, if I may use this word, it's management. On the ground floor, it's the residents. Now, that's a principle, integrated community. Tell us about the other principles that are followed by 1425 Bayview. Diane? Well, we certainly have a, a comprehensive program. Um, we provide activities of daily living skills, such as meal planning, grocery shopping, cooking, laundry, housekeeping, fitness, uh, learning about healthy eating, coping with stress. We have weekly outings, um, which are fun and educational. They, you know, we go to the art gallery, they go hiking, we explore Toronto. Our core program consists of fitness and yoga, um, living through the arts with the Royal Conservatory of Music, which is an excellent program um, that we've sort of brought in in the last year and a half where uh, we have about 20 different mediums we've been able to explore. And at the moment... Uh, Singing is really popular. Nobody seems to miss singing. And uh, in addition to that, we have current events. We, you know, encourage community involvement. And we teach life skills, such as managing and recognizing stress, learning to problem solve. And the other point that's quite interesting is we first started out sort of developing a foundation for our residents, and most of our programming took place in-house. Now most of our residents are working, they're in school, they're volunteering, 
And so any of those things take precedence over sort of our core program. When you say take precedent, precedence over the core program, give us an example of something that um, you, you were just talking about then. Well, let's say that um, yoga class is happening and you know, there's sort of an expectation that if you live at the residences, you take place in the programming other than, you know, the down, the sort of natural downtime and the opportunity to, to work, to volunteer, etc. So if something is happening sort of outside the residences, which is about something that will sort of further the goals of the resident themselves and get them more involved in the community, um, give them sort of more opportunity to develop some self, self-esteem and some skills, then that takes precedence. I mean, essentially that is the programming. Really, that's a, another very important principle, isn't it? That there are ways in which priorities are set. That sounds a bit bureaucratic, but in the sense of if something's happening outside that will help the individual, the person, um, take up a life outside, that takes precedent over attending a course for which internally, for which the normal expectation would be that you go there. So that's really reflecting something that's powerfully important in the sense that people who are faced with a choice have some principles that they know you operate and that you operate, which enable to make a decision which isn't going to cause a problem. Now, have I understood that right? Yes, I would say that's absolutely true. I mean, it, it's, it's, a re- it's really, quite frankly, a challenge to be able to do that because we're such a small group. There's only five of us living at the residence, only five residents living there at the present time. We are completely full, but we're quite small. We have the capacity to expand maybe just a little bit more. So maintaining a core program with five people who are working part-time or volunteering and still sort of making sure that there's that structure and consistency is pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Now, I want to you to tell us about the parts of the work of the residences that are most important for the mental, emotional, and physical well-being of the residents and why they're so important. What I'm driving at there is the work you're doing has principles, it has purposes, and it's it's obviously successful what you're doing. Um, tell us more in more detail about the parts of the work that make makes the program as a whole so successful. Diane? It's really important. I probably can't stress enough. It's really important to create a broad integrated circle of care with the resident and their families and the psychiatrists and therapists and with our staff. And our staff are trained to deal with mental health issues, and they get to know the residences, residents quite intimately, and they can offer their own personal perspective. Again, consistency and structure really helps to optimize the residents' um, you know, ability to live sort of an independent life and, and sort of have that sense of um, kind of knowing what life is going to look like more or less, because sometimes it's tough to um, 
it's tough to have too much freedom, I guess. Is, if, uh, that's probably a, a hard way of putting that, but too much downtime. Yeah. I know something about the um, institutions where people with mental illnesses uh, would be admitted and basically kept there. And I'm a physician by background, as you know. There would be a tendency to provide what would look like a ward in a hospital. That is to say, uh, there were a lot of beds and there were staff and there were particular ways in which things were dealt with because that's the way hospitals are run. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I'm stylizing this. What I'm hearing from you is something very different. That is, it's flexible, that is meeting the needs of individuals, that is creating some flexibility, it's running on principles. Now, first of all, do you agree with me that you're doing something different from the old days? And if so, yeah. How... What differences would you say are most important compared with the old days? The differences. Uh, What you do and what they used to do. Well, I think it's the fact that we we really spend time trying to determine what it is that, you know, a a prospective resident might need who's, you know, who's coming to, um, to live with us. And how we might, um, you know, how we might sort of work with them and how we even assess how they come in to the residences. So, you know, if a, if someone, if a call comes from a family caregiver, we invite them for a tour and they have the option of coming in with or without their own family member. That's their decision. I always do a preliminary telephone discussion with them and sometimes have them speak to my program manager as well. Um, if it's a referral from another hospital or social service agency, then we generally have a pretty good starting point to understand the needs of a potential resident and family. Our intake process is thorough, so that certainly is not different, I suppose, from other things. Um, the written application is to be is completed by the family members and the resident and, of course, the psychiatrist. But, you know, these people are moving into a new situation, and leaving home for the first time ever is, can, can be really difficult. And very often the way the potential resident presents at home and with us can be really different. And there may be a lack of insight by the resident or a lack of awareness from the families as to how challenged they actually are with daily skills and interaction. And our staff are really compassionate and you know, they're very sort of adept, I guess, at helping families to understand that, you know, maybe the son or daughter that they thought might be more independent or stable isn't really as independent and stable as, you know, as they might have thought that they were. So it's really our job to try to work with the family caregivers and help them see the resident as they are today. And again, we really work hard to to weave a tight circle of care. And I think that's the difference. You know, having everybody work together is, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have everybody on the same page so that, you know, there's not misinformation or things don't happen that, not, that people aren't aware of who need to understand it. Okay. And we also, very, very important point. Sorry. 
have no 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 worries we do have to take the break now but i'm coming back to that very okay. theme uh, particularly the way in which you include family caregivers in the circle of care so let's take the break now this is dr gordon Averley, and my guest is diane marshall you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety and empowerment channels and cjmp 90.1 fm community radio for power river please stay with us we're coming back Which guests are being featured this week? Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Diane Marshall. Our topic is mental health care in private residence organizations. Diane, now let's talk about the special needs of family caregivers you work with as well as the residents. So please talk about the special needs that residents typically have and how 1425 Bayview meets these needs. And please give us some examples of those special needs. Each person, obviously, who comes to us is different, and they have a whole different set of needs and wants and, and desires and challenges. Um, people with schizophrenia, for example, um, come to us with neg- negative symptoms and you know maybe the side effects of medications. And so you're dealing with things like, you know, lethargy and difficulty of, you know, motivating them and engaging them. Um, often they've got really low self-image or unrealistic expectations of themselves and severe anxiety. Um, some need more personal support than others. And our staff really need to, you know, to be motivators. They need to engage and encourage and cheerlead and facilitate and 
counsel and empower and, you know, it's really, really important to get um, the best staff to sort of work with um, our folks. And, uh, you know, things that are really important are a sense of humor. That goes a long way to sort of diffusing challenging situations, Um, high energy, you know, and again, much as there is a core program and some expectations, the learning needs to be fun. This is their home. And our staff excel at that. I mean, they're mental health professionals who know how to establish, you know, appropriate boundaries, maintain a balanced perspective with our, our residents and our families. And they really go above and beyond the call of duty. Um, you know, I have to, we have to be mindful of, of their own sort of personal health and well-being because they're really invested in, in what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we need to do things to keep them happy too. So, you know, we recently had one of our staff, um, we funded him to become a personal trainer. And that's an asset to us and, and also to him uh, personally and professionally. And so he'll be able to offer that to, you know, to our residents. And that sort of is the beauty of the residences of 1425 Bayview. Because we're small and because we're private, we can be an incubator for new ideas and we can sort of adjust our program as we need to for the individual needs of the resident themselves. And most Organizations, I don't think, have, you know, the ability to do that. And I would say the other point is how closely we do work with the family. I mean, family meetings take place regularly. Um, most are involved in their family members' lives on a, on a daily basis. Um, we keep our families involved, and, of course, they want to be involved, um, they come to meals, they come to barbecues, we have an annual Christmas dinner, barbe- uh, summer barbecue, and you know, different celebrations throughout the year. Dan, I'm just going to stop you there and just ask you a particular point about special needs. Um, is depression uh, an issue, a clinical challenge that you experience with the residents? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, depression and, again, sort of that lack of uh, spark for life is one of the things that we work with daily to, you know, find ways to ignite our residents' passion for, you know, things that they once loved or for new things. And it's very, very hard. They have low self-esteem quite often. They have unrealistic expectations of themselves, and sometimes it's hard to kind of come to grips with maybe the reality of their own situation. Right. Next question is, how do you actually go about assessing these special needs? How do you do it? And could you give us some examples of the way in which you go about assessing these special needs? Well, I think as I said before, I mean, it's it's the process when someone first comes to us, um, either, you know, through a referral or, or of their own accord, um, they will come in for a tour and we have them take part. We have the potential resident take part in our day program for one to three months. So 
we really have an opportunity to assess them and sort of how they fit into the program and whether they can um, benefit from what we provide and make use of what we provide. And also, as I said before, the importance of making sure that our own residents are comfortable with them. That's a community approach, isn't it? That um, people have got to be able to live within your community and your community has to be able to accept the new people that join it. Is that right? That's absolutely true. I mean, again, the beauty of the residences is it's communal living. So they have their own, you know, privacy, their own homes, their own apartments. But then they have a sense of, you know, of... I don't. I use the word family. That's not the correct word. They have a sense of community. Yep. Now I want to ask you about the family caregivers because they have needs, um, needs as they relate to the their family members and also their needs generally. How, how, please tell us how you work with family caregivers. Tell us more about that because you've already discussed it to some extent. And please give us some examples of the way in which you work with family caregivers in in ways that help them meet their needs uh, related to the family member who is living at 1425 Bayview. How does all that work out, Diane? Well, we try very hard to be... Um you know, uh, understanding of the fact that while we're advocating for the resident themselves, who is an adult, um, they have a family who have their own sort of desires and wants and um, hopes for them. And one of the ways that we work to really, um, I guess, meet their needs is we make sure that they try to take care of their own needs. Um, You know, there are organizations such as FAME, Family Association for Mental Health, and some programs through um, some social uh, workers that we know that we can reference them to if they need more help. But also, we've just recently started a, it's called a Family Residences Council. And so our families all now come together um, about every two months, and they meet and they talk about their needs and their challenges, and it gives them an opportunity and a voice to, you know, speak of what they're going through. And at the same time, they then come back to us, the person who is sort of the advocate for them, and say, you know, this is what's going on, this is what we're concerned about, um, you know, this part of the programming isn't seeming to be as popular, uh, you know, they, they let us know sort of what's going on, and, and we do our best to, within reason, adjust to, um, to meet the needs of the residents and hopefully meet the family's needs in, at the same time. Now, still with the, the families and their needs, as I'm sure you've heard many, many times, and so am I, one of the challenges for families is they get exhausted, um, they feel that they almost guilty that they cannot do everything that they believe they should be doing, and therefore um, well, they need help too um, because 
they have a very tough job. Please, could you just comment on that and the way in which you think that 1425 Bayview helps family caregivers avoid that kind of situation or deal with it if it's something that's already affected them? Diane? Well, I think we we try to uh, ensure that they are, um, as I say, that they're they're caring for themselves. But you know, hopefully, the, the stress is off them by knowing that their family member is you know living in a a lovely home with with good support, and that they're being well taken care of, and you know, hopefully. We would, we would hope that that would mean that they feel, uh, you know, they feel better about their, their own situation. Um, a lot of our families, they're approaching their elder years and they really need to be, you know, need to know that their family member will be well cared for even when they're no longer there. And, you know, they need support that's not often available when these people are, are living with their own family members at home. I think it would be really amazing to know what the statistics are of how many people who are elders in their own elder years and they're caring for their family members with mental illness at home with little or insufficient support. So we're invested in giving space for our our residents' families to reconnect in their relationship again as simply parent, child, or sibling. We really do encourage them to take care of themselves and their needs, to recharge their batteries, and gain a new and fresh perspective on their lives and that of their own family member. And and that helps, not only does that help them, that helps their own family member who is also able to look back and say, you know, when they have that kind of insight, gee, mom or dad is, you know, they're, they're going off to Florida. They're going off to, you know, visit relatives in another part of the province. And I think that goes a long way to know that um, things are being take, taken care of and they can relax a little and, and uh, feel that they've done a good thing by having their family member live at the residences of 1425 Bayview. Putting it what you've just said back to you, but in a different way. The family caregivers are now part of the 1425 Bayview community. You've got, they meet together every couple of months, I think you said, mm-hmm. as a, as a group. Um, they see the work that you're doing, feel relieved by it, but also don't lose their sense of duty as family caregivers that's that's one aspect of it and then the other thing that you said which is very very important and i've heard many times and that is summed up in this question what will happen to my loved one my family member after i am gone and i think just quickly you're saying that um, through 1425 Bayview, care can continue after a family, the family caregiver, um, is no longer able, no longer with us to be able to provide the care. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Profoundly important message because I'm repeating the point, but what will happen to my family member when I've gone? Among 
family caregivers who themselves are seniors, elderly people in retirement, um, has not received, I think, enough attention and I think needs to receive more. And so your message about that is, is a profoundly important one. Now, once again, talking of messages, this is where we have to take our break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Averley, and my guest is Diane Marshall. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Pearl River. Please stay with us. We'll be back. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host, Jordan Kimmel, is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Diane Marshall. Our topic is mental health care in private residence organizations. Let's now talk about more things that you, Diane, want to do and want to see done to develop, further develop mental health care in private residence organizations. And also, I want to hear, please, and I want our listeners to hear your message for family caregivers. Now, first off, What more do you want the residences of 1425 Bayview to do to further develop caring for mental illnesses? Diane? Well, I I mentioned the um, development of a a collaborative, multidisciplinary team. I think that's very, very important. And that sort of, I'm continually doing that, uh, trying to sort of, entice people to um, get involved with us and, and become passionate about what we're doing. Another piece is uh, we'd really like to look at the possibility of um, a sustainable uh, social enterprise business because, again, gainful work, sort of meaningful employment goes a, is, goes a long way to 
you know, increase people's uh, sense of self-esteem, um, to build sort of community, to you know, have their own skills enhanced, and to make to make a living. And if we can sort of look to find what sorts of businesses might support that, that we could potentially partner or create, uh, that would go a long way, I think. And interestingly, when the residences was first created, there was thought to putting a retail space or retail store on the first floor for that reason. And I think it was well worth considering, and it's still something that I would like to see uh, potentially happen. You know, I'm I'm a bit of a, a researcher, so I'm continually sort of looking for innovative ideas and and you know new models of care uh, for people with mental health issues. And so, you know, the residents of 1425 Bayview is is not static. We're always evolving. We're always changing. And we need to be able to respond to those changing needs of our residents uh, as things change, as, you know, as they evolve. Yeah. Now, same basic question, but it's now, what more do you want the healthcare and social services systems generally to do to further develop mental health care in private residence organizations? In other words, what do you want the systems to do mm. to develop the th- kind of things you've done? Don? Um, Gordon, I don't think we should ever stop lobbying for change, uh, more supportive housing from the social services sector and using you know, any means available to us to do so. There's such an incredible need. And despite the fact that there are millions of dollars being raised for mental health and a much higher awareness of mental health in the public, you know, stable supported housing is is one of the most important factors in achieving and maintaining health and well-being. And according to the Canadian Mental Health Association, residential care and supported housing yields the greatest reduction in hospitalizations and prison time, as well as a much higher quality of life. And supportive housing is economical compared to inpatient psychiatric care. Um, and, and sadly, too, the government's cut back on some really good programming which was available, and families were able to rely on these programs to give them a bit, some respite and, you know, get their family members out of their rooms and, and out of their inner worlds. Millions of dollars are being spent on integrating large numbers of people into a thriving, supportive neighborhood uh, near the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto. And that's one option. But I think, and I know that many agree with me, at least in our, sort of in our residences, that mental health care needs to be spread out throughout all the neighbourhoods, from wealthy to middle class to lower income. And over the last few years, I've focused on exploring innovative models of urban and rural care, which exist outside Canada, um, the American Residential Treatment Association is a group of about 30 therapeutic facilities that are both urban and rural in the states. Um, Canada has no residential therapeutic farms, which are, you know, structured psychologically informed environments for people to do things like organic farming, gardening, and animal care, and it's all set to, you know, help people's health and well-being, and it provides the opportunity to belong not just within the farm, but 
you know, participating in the broader community. Gould Farm in, in the States is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Canada just has, well, Canada has one organization, Peace Ranch, which is was started privately by Diana Eaton in the 70s and obtained Ontario Ministry of Health funding in 1990. It's a great place. Again, an extensive waiting list. It's my vision, really, that a residential treatment association of some kind be created in Canada. And as as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, my family were instrumental in founding Portage, which has now established many, I guess I would call them programs, but they're therapeutic residential addiction uh, facilities in several provinces and in 15 countries. My very good friend and mentor, Linda, and her father, Gordon Bell, are pioneers of addiction services in Canada, and they founded the Donwood and Bellwood Health Services. Um, I mentioned Peace Ranch and Diana Eaton. The reality is that families who become the activists, the visionaries, the creators of positive change, they're the ones who establish these facilities which address that gap in the mental health system. They come together to create innovative solutions and to these kinds of issues. And it's unfortunately common for new supportive housing projects to encounter NIMBYism, not in my backyard. The latest private enterprise that's striving to be a therapeutic farm in BC had to completely reconfigure after six years of planning and hard work because the farmland that was being offered was jeopardized by the community suffering from NIMBYism. And, you know, I understand the complexity in establishing these kinds of enterprises, and it's re- but it's really sad these sorts of situations continue to occur. I was right. really happy to hear that they are continuing to move forward, and they're determined not to allow their dream to dissipate. So I think we need to be more compassionate and understanding and become more educated you know, about new models of mental health, residential care in our own neighborhoods, and create inclusive and supportive environments. Right. Great message. Now, what's your message, Dan, to families and family caregivers caring for family members with mental illnesses? What's your message for them? I think the message is what really what I've, what I've said is that they, you know, don't give up hope. Um, you know, keep keep trying to make positive change. Remember to, if if you're a family caregiver with, you know, in a private residence situation, you know, try to work closely with the the actual the staff and the entire uh, circle of care. And that can be hard, I understand. I know it's very hard with privacy issues and, um, you know, and even the, the residents themselves not always wanting to sort of involve everyone in every aspect of their care. But I think that's really, really important in sort of ensuring a uh, sort of a full life and the best possible outcome for um, their own lives. That's a very straightforward and deep message to people, isn't it? And it resonates with your other message or the part of your other message, the effect that housing where people live um, should be spread out 
across the communities to where it's needed. That is to say, uh, it's fine for it to be in the center of a big town. That's good. But what about the smaller towns? What about the rural areas? All of those kinds of questions have got to be dealt with, which is why I listen to you and think you, 1425 Bayview, are supportive housing on a small scale that is a model that fits perfectly with the sense of we need these all over the place because mental illnesses occur, like schizophrenia, for example, occur to 1% of the population. There's no way of predicting it. It occurs. Um, it has to be dealt with treated, looked after, whatever the words are, by families um, seeking help from the medical system, and the medical system is helpful. I know that I've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. um, but also the kind of things that you're doing, that you're advocating, and that are needed are really so very important. Um, if countries like Canada and the U.S. and many others are going to make real progress in caring for their citizens with mental health challenges, with mental illnesses. So, Dan, on that point, I want to say thank you to, to you for sharing with us all the thoughts, experience, and insights and advice as you have, and to wish you on behalf of everybody that's listening every success to you in your work personally and also in the work of 1425 Bayview. May it go from strength to strength. And I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And in our, in our next episode, we'll talk about family caregivers helping family members overcome alcoholism. So please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.